Hello, 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 and welcome into another episode of the Campus Visit Podcast. We're super excited to be back with you guys talking all things Debbie and college football, um, but I, I can't do this myself, and I can't, couldn't be more excited to bring in a guy that I've, I've been missing these last few weeks. Um, nobody's going to slow this man down. He's going to keep moving. Ain't nobody going to, nobody's going to break his stride. Adam Lewis, how you doing, my man? I'm doing all right, man. <laughs> and uh, say COVID almost did break my stride. I'll tell you what, uh, but I, I'm finally back taking a couple of weeks, but uh, I'm here um, and I can't be, be happier to be here. And, and I definitely can't be happier uh, to be here tonight with, with the guests we got on again. Cause yeah, uh, I, I couldn't be more excited for the guests we have. I mean, we're bringing in a guest that that's going to come on here and upshot us on our own podcast. And <laughs> I'm actually super excited about that. So um, you guys, you guys know him. He was our very first guest. Um, we had him on a, a few months ago. And um, Adam, I got to tell you, man, I don't think we got a bigger um, reaction to a pod that we posted um, than when we had this man on. I mean, Twitter DMs were blowing up. People were just praising how great a podcast it is. So I'm super excited to bring on our guest for the second time, Sean McAvoy. He's the coach for the QB Takeover. He's worked with guys like Jalen Hurts. Um, the in-season college football phenom, Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, that we were all super excited about. And now Senior Bowl standout um, over this week, Malik Willis. Sean, how the heck are you? Gentlemen, first of all, officially a friend of the program now, right? Oh, no, no, you, a yeah. visit. You're a friend of the show, Sean. You're currently friend now a friend of the show, all right? I love yeah. it. I love it, man. <laughs> I, I, I was fortunate to be asked to come back, so happy to be here and talk with you guys, man. I'm excited. Yeah, we're super excited, man. I'm no nobody loves talking QBs, I think, as much as Adam does um, with you. So I, I know he's super excited to have you here. Um, obviously, we're talking QB, QB, all things QB, QB traits, um, QB landscape in college and, and football in, in general. So we're excited to have you on. Um, excited to chop up quarterbacks. I, I think there, there's no better place to start than the Senior Bowl this year. Um, we 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 kind of we're talking about it backstage, and the Senior Bowl kind of had these two competing storylines, and the those that played and those that practiced that weren't named Malik Willis, and kind of saw this this decline in, in draft stock, and all, all of a sudden now those that didn't show up, um, cough cough, Matt Corral um, might have helped their stock a little bit more uh, by not being there, and then you got the other flip side of that, uh, Malik Willis, who is just a Twitter darling right now is seeing just a rise in the Twitter community fandom. I mean, Sh Sean, what, what do you have to say about your boy Malik Willis here? I mean, great, great week for him. I mean, do we possibly see um, him being the first quarterback to, to get taken in, in drafts this year? Is that a possibility now? Yeah. I mean, but like I said, I thought it was a possibility, you know, six months ago, three months ago, two weeks ago. So for, for people like me who've been around Malik a lot, what happened this past week was the least surprising thing, right? I think the people who got kind of caught up in the moment and, 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 and really experienced the wow factor were all of those who hadn't been around him before and were seeing him for the first time. And like I said, all of us went through that the first time we saw him throw live, you know, or the first time that uh, we kind of saw some of the things he can do on the football field. Um, and for a large part of the media and scouts and coaches and like, you know, the Detroit Lions staff, they were seeing it up close and personal for the first time. And um, that's why I think you saw the reaction all over social media that you did is because you just had the collective people all witnessing kind of the talent. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was, I, I, you know, I think 
when, when I was talking to you guys weeks ago of like, hey, what's up next? What do you think about the senior bowl? I was, this is about what I would have predicted is that, wow, wait till he's on the field with those five other quarterbacks and you can truly see kind of the side-by-side comparison um, with the same amount of talent around them and, and, you know, and throwing the same types of routes and being asked to do the same types of things. Um, that's, uh, that's an easier way to compare the, the six QBs. And like I said, it was great to see Malik have as good of a week as he did and then for people to take notice. You know, a big thing in the Twitter community right now is when you're scouting guys, a lot of a lot of the fantasy football community as a whole are, are box box score scouters, right? And by what I mean by that is they go and look at what a quarterback's doing, completion percentage, yards, touchdowns, to interception ratio, and they're not really watching the film of what these guys do on film. And we were talking about it backstage. Um, Malik Willis had some offensive line issues. He had a, a put together um, skill position crew. I mean, you're you're talking about guys, you know, Ohio State, Alabama. I'm thinking of the two main. Um, wide receiver um, cores that just just pump out NFL talent at that position. Malik Willis doesn't have that, right? So, Adam, what, can you speak to just tell? I mean, you 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 look and we talked about it backstage. You know, you put Malik Willis on Alabama's roster. You put Malik Willis on Ohio State oh, State's roster. I mean, why is it so important not to be a box scout, you know, scouter and actually watch what's on film? You didn't mean it. I mean, that's, that's the exact reason. That's why, you know, I talk to guys like Sean and, and, and read through these things because, you know, for the exact reason you just talked about. I mean, if I'm, I mean, any quarterback and I've got, I mean, you look at, like you just said, Alabama, you got Hall, you got Early, you got all these guys that you can throw the ball to. You didn't even get Mechie and you get Williams and whatever. And I can throw the ball to them. And, 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 and Sean, you can talk to this because you and I have talked about it. Well, let's talk about where your ball goes. How far does your ball go to the receiver and where do they take it, right? Um, which is air yards that, that some analytics guys talk about. You know, where is that ball going and who's it going to? And then really where is that guy going? Also, how's your offensive line holding up and and what you're asked to do? Um, I mean, for me, when I'm looking at Malik, he's asked to be the offense. Um, and that's, you know, obviously not a – not a knock on anybody, um, but, but but where he was, what he was asked to be the offense, in, in, in my opinion. Now, what's funny about that was he was originally at Auburn. Um, and I said before, he should have been starting at Auburn and should have been over Bo Nix. That's just my opinion. Um, but, you know, it, things didn't work out. And But I, I'm glad he went where he did because he exploded. And I think it's I think it's telling for me as somebody who watches it and, and, and Sean, obviously, you know, I'm never going to, you know, say that I know more than you, you teaches this stuff, but as somebody who watches these guys, for me, for a guy who does more with less, I, I'm more interested in it. Like how, how is that possible? You know, like that they're succeeding with, with guys that aren't in the sec, the ACC. And that's not to say anything because these kids all, Work hard. They're very good, um, and, and and it is you know. It, I mean, you know, you look at it, but you know, for instance, I look at Desmond Ritter, and he goes to you know n- not one of the Power Five schools, but I think he has Power Five talent around him. You know, whereas Malik, uh, I don't think he, he you know he he had that talent around him, and yet he put up the numbers and and he he's running around and people give him crap for hey this throw or that throw, but 
sometimes if you run for your life, I mean, what do you got to do? Right. Um, but it, you know, I just, I, I look at that and I, and, and I look at where they are and how they do it um, with what they have. Right. And then you start to break down them individually after you get there. But um, Sean, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the kind of the most fun, like thought experiment of this whole thing is that, okay, well, let's imagine if, Matt Corral was at Cincinnati and played the competition. Cincinnati played, what would that look like? Or let's imagine if Kenny Pickett was at Liberty playing that schedule with that, like, what would that look like? And then imagine if Malik Willis was at, you know, Ole Miss, what would that look like? Right. And, and I think that's fun, but it's, it's all just a projection. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I mean, I would I'm going to use the, the word easy, and I don't mean it in this context because that no no school and no level is playing the quarterback position easy. But I would argue that it's easier to be surrounded by top talent. I would think that it would be easier to be the quarterback at Alabama or Ohio State than it is to be the quarterback at a school with less talent, regardless of the competition, because this is always the mm-hmm. argument, right? Like, okay, well, maybe he doesn't have as much talent around him, but maybe they don't play the same type of schedule. They play less competitive teams, and which is the funny thing about Liberty because, you know, they played Syracuse two years in a row, and they play Virginia Tech, and they play NC State, and they play Ole Miss, right? And and they play teams like, uh, you know, like Army and UAB and Louisiana. I mean, you're talking about like right off the right. coastal Carolina, like top 25. Still, they're, they're non-Power 5 schools, but they're good ones and defensively very strong teams. Coastal um, Carolina's got a defensive end that was in the top in defense in sacks for the year. He had 12 and a half yeah, as a freshman. Yeah, I mean, they were they were in the a top 10 team before Liberty yeah, beat them in the absolutely. bowl game last year. So, yeah. you know, um, I would make the argument that I'd rather have talent around me and play Alabama every week than be less talented around me and play even lesser defense. Does that make sense? So that would be my argument. But it's still just a thought experiment. It's, who knows? Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm not. We can try to project it. That's the hard part. And everybody will find different ways of looking at it to make kind of their own case sound better. Um, but that's what was cool about the Senior Bowl was all that gets removed now because it's no longer, you know, Desmond Ritter with his talent, you know, next to Kenny Pickett with the Bolitnikoff winner that he gets to throw to and and then Malik with his ta- it's no longer that it's all six quarterbacks more or less with the same type they're throwing the same receivers they're throwing against and all these one-on-ones during practice against the same types of db same level we're talking about all the top senior eligible that's what's so great about the senior bowl and jim Nagy does such a great job all the top eligible guys that can be at that game are at that game so you're talking you know <laughs> 90% of the of the best players in the country are all there. Um, and this was unique to have all the top quarterbacks there with the exception of Corral. Um, that never happens, right? So, you know, last year it was cool to see Mac Jones there, but you couldn't figure out how he compared to Trevor Lawrence or Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. You just saw that right. Mac had a good week himself, and he looked great compared to the other quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl but you don't know how far that really takes you. Well, here, you know, these are the other top five guys apparently in this draft, once again, with the exception of Matt. So not only did Malik have a strong week in of itself, not only did he just look great in a vacuum 
with his footwork and throwing routes and taking coaching and the way he, the players and his teammates responded to him. But he also looked great in comparison and side by side to those other top quarterbacks. Like I said, selfishly, I wish Matt Corral was there. I wanted to see that side by side. It didn't happen. It'll happen at the combine, though. So, yeah. you know, at some point, and I, Max, not, I was going to say you can't hide. I was not accusing Matt of. of I know you're not. I know. The, no, the I know you're not. But, uh, but the reality is you can't. I mean, at some point in this process, you'll have to be on the same field with the other QBs. And, and fortunately, this year, the combine is going to happen. That was a luxury that I remember last year with Trey. I wanted Trey to get on the field next to Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, and, and he never got that opportunity. Um, so just like I said, fortunately, it's getting the opportunity to do it and then taking advantage of those opportunities thus far. And for people that, that that don't know, by the way, Sean has has seen Trevor Lawrence up front a lot. All right, Trevor, Sean is in Georgia. He's seen Trevor Lawrence up front um, with all these guys. So when he when he, when he tells you he would like to see Trey Lance up against him, he's telling you that hey, I want to see this so that other people can see it as well. Um, because I've been a I, you know when we talk about Trey Lance. I've been a Trey Lance guy as well, uh, and that's kind of the point. And, and Sean, you and I talked about it, you know, between you and I, and it, it, it came up with Malik was let's put all these guys together, and, and I think that's you know a lot, a lot when you get in the Senior Bowl and 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 and, and up into the combine, people say, why do we still have all these things? We have all this tape, whatever. Well, I think what you just talked about is correct. Well, let's put all these guys together. Let's give them the same exact people. Let's see what they do in the same exact situation. And I think when you lose that, which is what we lost last year, obviously, and you get pro day times. I mean, I mean, shoot, look at some of the pro day times you saw with wide receivers or running backs. <laughs> there is no yeah. way those guys are running that speed. Okay. And, and, and people dealt with it later. Um, but let's get these guys together and let's show who's got what and, and go from there and, and, and let it, let it all shake out. Right. And you, and you both are kind of hitting on a point that I really want to hit on and kind of get some answers to, because I know, I know our listeners would love to have an answer to this or improve sure. the process when it comes to this. When you look at these, you know, big school versus small school, um, ta- more talented guys versus less talented guys. I mean, I, I'm thinking right off the top of my head, you know, you've got, um, Pickett throwing to the Belitnikov winner, Jordan Addison. You've got Bryce Young throwing to, you know, Jamison Williams, John Mechie. Um, and then you've got Malik Willis throwing to um, guys that aren't those guys, right? Yep. Plain, plain and simple. So, like, how what, what are we doing to differentiate that talent level? I mean, where where how, how does our process change when you look at, okay, this guy is throwing to a Belitnikov winner, this guy is not but we're still having to evaluate them on equal playing ground. I mean, how are we doing that? I, I think that's the hardest part. And it's more than just the weapons they're throwing to. It's how good's the offensive line? What's their protection look like? How about how good's their run game? So, like, are they able to keep defenses off balance or is the defense able to sit back and play pass because you're always in third and eight, right? Does that make sense? So then it's like, hey, how good's your defense? Like, are you getting the ball three and out and you're always kind of like in plus territory or are you starting drives back, having to go 85 yards every, right? Like there's a lot that comes into play um, more than just the receivers, but no, I, I don't, I don't have the answer for that question, Matt. Like what is, how do you try to, to, to judge 
in that scenario, you know, a guy with a lot more weapons versus a guy who doesn't. I think that's what makes this interesting. Um, oh, but I think so- it's harder if, like, sorry, Adam. I think it's harder if, like, if the guy with less weapons doesn't produce at the highest level, then you have to say, well, okay, but how much is that? In this situation, I mean, Malik led the the country in touchdowns the last two years. So it's like, he. I think we all agree he had the worst offensive line of the six guys we're talking about. Yep. He had the worst weapons around him of the six guys we're talking about. Yep. Now, you can make the argument, well, he didn't play as good a competition. I'd argue if you're talking about Kenny Pickett, he probably played better competition than maybe what some of the ACC schedule looks like, at least defensively, right? But he produced at a higher level. So, like, I don't know. To me, it's like he you talk about less with more, where I think other guys maybe did or, – or, sorry, more with less, right? That's the way I would maybe talk about Malik. And I think there were other QBs that – that you could argue did less with more. Um, but go ahead, Adam. You had a thought. No, I was, I was just saying, Sean, so, like. You were laughing I, at me, too. Like, I was trashing other quarterbacks. No, 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 I, I was saying that. But. No, 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 Sean. I was actually, like, I have verbalized this on Twitter, and people have crucified me. So I just laugh when I sometimes get vindicated by somebody who's intelligent. <laughs> And I'm well, not apparently. I'm not sure about um, that. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, man, you get paid to train quarterbacks. I get paid to uh, defend, pe- to uh, help people get their property uh, stuff cl- uh, taken care of. And then on the side, he defends people on Twitter for fun. And, and, and then on the go. side, and, and and then on the side, talk to guys like you and uh, and try and give m- my opinion on, on on what I do after I, I've had that conversation. Um, but no, what I meant was, I think what you said, and I think that is something, cause look, I put out on Twitter the other day and, and, and it, it put out, I said, you know, through the years, as we have e- evolved in dealing with fantasy football and, and, and recruiting and, 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 and development and stuff, and, and everybody wants to be an amateur scout and everything and all those things one of the hardest positions that everybody used to say was, was tight end. Right. And, and if you looked at it, it was really hard to kind of figure out. And I put it there, I said, you know what? Tight end is really hard. I said, but you know what? The hardest position that I think it is, is quarterback to figure out if this kid, especially when you're looking at what, what, what our listeners listen to. Okay. Which is a, an 18 year old kid sometimes. Okay. Or a 19 year old kid whether or not that kid can project out, right? And how do I figure that out? And that, and I got responses on that. And in fact, I, I think I, I tagged you in, in one from a guy who said, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm clueless. How do I look at that? I tagged you and I tagged uh, Q um, and I tagged Denny um, and Denny yeah. responded as well. And I said, follow these guys, watch what they post on Twitter, listen to what they say interact with them because Sean, I mean, I mean, you guys are great. I mean, you, you guys talk, you know? Yeah. Um, but one of the things that you said earlier that I don't think is talked about enough is everybody's focused on, Hey, he threw X amount of balls. He got X amount of touchdowns, X amount of interceptions. Oh, look at this pass. Look at that. But what you just said a minute ago is what was the team about? Right. Yeah. How often were they at third and eight? What was the defense like? So when we're looking at quarterbacks, right, 
it's not just a quarterback, right? Or am I wrong? We're looking at what is the team? Where is he? What is the situation? Where did he throw during what defense? But also, what position was he always in? Or am I wrong in that statement? No, no, I think that's right. Well, you just you have to you have to look at it through that lens at least, right? I think it's best case scenario. Everyone is is equal. Like everyone has the same things around them against the same time. Like right, you'd love it if like we all five QBs were on the top five teams in the country and they all played the same schedule. That that would be ideal, right? So then you can almost apples to apples compare. And then if you say, okay, well, hey, this guy threw twice as many touchdowns and twice as many yards as this guy. That guy's better. You you could kind of agree with that, right? And some years you have that, right? Like last year, a little bit, you know, Florida wasn't right where Alabama was. But you start looking at like Kyle Trask versus, you know, Mac Jones, and you're like, okay, well, they, they had pretty good similar weapons around them. I think Alabama's were certainly better. and But they yes. played the same team, right? Does that make sense? It's like a little closer to apples to apples. They, they were, um, yeah. Although, right? yes, Al- so, Alabama definitely had more talent at the wide receiver position. And- no <laughs> doubt. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, yeah. it's not, let's put it this way, it's not liberty versus you know old men no. right like um and i think those years are a little bit easier to to try to understand so you just have to look through it the length you gotta look for more than that i think where we see it a lot is is in the high school like you look at the recruiting rankings of high school quarterbacks and every year i'll see you know the guy who has the most passing yards in the state and the most touchdowns is the four or five star guy Regardless if they're playing single A or double A football against way less competition or the receivers, I know that they got, you know, the top three receivers in the state that he's throwing to, right? You see that a lot. Um, and meanwhile, you'll see other guys and, and, you know, we get to see these guys just through training in the area through the Elite 11 regional process and stuff like that, where, you know, I can see this guy's got more talent. Now, he may not have produced, but there's something to be said for that. Like, talent alone is not – you better be able to produce with it. Um, but I think often you'll see guys kind of ranked or judged incorrectly because guys get too caught up in just the numbers component of it, and, they, and they're not seeing the full lens of, you know, what they have or, or what they don't have if that makes sense. Yeah, well, so so much of the quarterback yeah. ride is, is the mental aspect of the game. Like, it's it's fun to sit there and watch a quarterback that can throw the ball 60 yards downfield. That makes yeah. for, that makes for a pretty highlight reel. But I'm, I'm almost more concerned with the guy that can go through his progressions, look and see that nobody's there, and then he checks down to, yeah. to his fourth option, right? Or somebody that steps up to the line of scrimmage, analyzes the defense, and then and then motions guys over. He, he audibles into – a different different type of play to beat man coverage, beat a different, certain type of zone coverage. I mean, how is there a way to to look and see that a quarterback's doing that? I mean, you can watch and like see, you know, our our, our everyday viewers can and listeners can watch and see. Oh, he passed to an open receiver, but I mean, there's so much more than just an open receiver caught a ball. It's what did he go through his progressions? Was he looking off defenders? I mean, so much of it is a mental game. I mean, can you speak on that any? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it goes to, to the, the overall decision-making process. The hardest thing, and this is kind of similar to what we are just talking about with Talon, is like what what is their scheme? What is what is a part of their offense? And some guys have different tools available to them. So, you know, some QBs don't handle 
those checks and responsibilities at the line of scrimmage. Now, it doesn't mean that they cannot do it. It just means that they weren't asked to do it. And that's another piece of the projection of like, okay, maybe I watched this kid for two years on film and I don't see him working left to right, pure progressing across the field to his fourth option on check down. What you may or may not know is that that's not the offense they run, right? Their run, their coach to pre-snap read, look at one side of the field and throw there. You know, I'm just talking, you know, mm-hmm. generally. Um, so, so I think it's another part of where you have to, and these coaches and everybody else have to predict, you know, hey, I haven't seen them do this yet. So, but is it because he can't do it or because he just hasn't been given the opportunity to it? It's always nicer when you can see it. Like, okay, I've seen this guy do it at a high level. He checks that box. Um, so, so part of it's that too. It's like, what's their offense? What are they asked to do? The other thing I think people are in scouts and coaches are starting to see when they watch all these quarterbacks film is what happened on the play. You know, like they're going to find that some quarterbacks didn't have check downs in those concepts. So it's easy to say, oh, you know, this quarterback made the wrong decision or he looked to run too quickly or he held the ball too long. And then you watch the film and you're like, wait a second, it was – a two receiver route and they both ran double moves that take time to develop. And, and, I, I don't and there was you, no check down. So it's easy I don't want to cut you off right there. What's that? Like, I don't want to cut you off right there, but you're hitting on a yeah. point. I really, I really want to drive home. It's, it's, Me too. you know, I'm thinking uh, we're, we're on the same page on, on Twitter and, and in the community, you hear the, you know, this guy stands in the pocket, he holds the ball too long, or he took a sack when he could have thrown the ball away. So what you're saying is that isn't always, there isn't always another option. Maybe you should yeah. know the offense is being run or the defense is being called and what you did, right? But but the problem is you can't know you that. You can't. Nobody knows that. And so it's not like a, a – it would be unfair to say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what – Not none of us do, right, which is always funny. I always think back at the, you know, the, uh, the, the Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham little spat where it was like, you know, I'm wide open and he never throws it to me. But the reality is like for all you know, that's the fourth option mm-hmm. in his – progression and if the first two options were open you're not seeing him anyway you never get to him that doesn't mean baker messed up and you know but like so trying to look through a lens where you don't understand what the quarterback's being coached to do and i say you i me as well we don't understand what the quarterback's supposed to be doing it's a little harder to judge so you know this is where when the through this process when gms and scouts and coaches are talking to the college coaches of these players, they start to get a little bit more information. And this is where you hope the college coaches is are being honest and not just trying to protect their own reputation, right? Because it might be hard to say, hey, yeah, you know, say I'm say I'm Lane Kiffin at, at Ole Miss. It might be hard for me to say, well, you know, Matt Corral didn't do some things, but it was because I didn't give him those options, right? It might be hard mm-hmm. for a coach to admit that, um, but they also know that, you know, it's part of the process, right. To be honest about what the offense. So Matt, I don't know if I answered your question that well, but there's, there's definitely pieces of that where, um, without knowing fully what the scope of the offense is, you can't just make the, well, I haven't seen it on film. So I guess he can't do that. 
that makes sense? Oh, yeah, it does. Because, I mean, you had that same conversation with every player, right? I'm, I'm thinking running backs, Adam, off the yeah. top of my head. You know, there's a difference between a back that can't catch and a back that wasn't utilized as a pass catcher. Right. And that, yeah. that, tra- that transcends other positions as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you see it with tight ends all the time. Yeah, Adam was talking about how tough that is to judge. You know, is the guy not good in the run game? Does he not ha- – or – was that offense design where it was going to be all five-man protection and we're always getting the tight end out and around? So maybe I didn't see him blocked down on power, but, but it doesn't mean he can't do it. It's just that, you know, what was he asked to do within the offense? So I think about that, I talk about uh, – sorry, so, Matt, I was talking about that. I was talking about Kyle Pitts. That man, I wanted to be a d- darn wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. ran. But you know what? He blocked his butt off. When you looked, and then when he got to Florida, he did the same thing. And he turned himself into it, 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 a full-on tight end that could play either spot. You know, I mean, I, you, I, I call him a unicorn. I think he is. He's, yeah, he's a sure. guy that, that, that can can really catch it and do that. And and so that, yeah, you, I think it translates. But, yeah, with quarterback, you're looking – I think you look at that. I mean, I have that discussion with people all the time that they say, look, he missed the, – they, they, everyone does this. They circle a guy who's wide open and say, he missed him. How do you know he missed him? Or was that, like you said, the fifth read? Or was it a broken coverage that he didn't get to? Right? Right? Like, I've seen that happen. Did he run the the wrong route? He was supposed to run a corner, (laughs) and, you know, and and he breaks (laughs) it off on curl. So he might be open on that curl route. But as soon as the QB looks and he runs the wrong route, I'm not thr- – like, I'm moving through the progression, right? And so there's so much funny stuff there. But it's also not to excuse because I know, for example, on Malik Willis's film, there's a lot of just missed where he missed guys that were open. That happens too. So it's not just trying to excuse away every little thing that, that, that the quarterback did wrong either. It's just being realistic. But this whole conversation circles back to the senior bowl. That's what's cool about that. Mm-hmm week of practice is because these things that we're not sure hey can he just not do or who we just not seeing on his film yet well now they're being asked to do it so all these quarterbacks are now under center doing footwork they've never done and they're having to work through full field concepts and and work one to two to three and get all the way down to their check down and guards are playing center so they have to snap the ball and tight ends are being asked to block in the run game right so the that's what's so neat about this environment is some of these questions are getting answered um, because they're being asked to do different things at the NFL level. So Sean, one question I have for you, because I saw it on Twitter um, from a couple of people. They showed a picture of Malik throwing the ball and his back foot wasn't planted when he threw that ball. Um, is that a problem? And if not, why? As, yeah. as 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 is and and I want everybody to know. I also want everybody to put this out there. There just for any quarterback who's who might be listening. By the way, Sean has worked with Malik for a long time, and one of the fit my favorite things on Twitter, Sean, to be mm-hmm. honest, was when you posted a picture of you with Malik at Auburn the first game, and then at the end the last game um, at Liberty because. I know you. I, I know you, you. You love your guys. You work hard for your guys, um, and you know you. It, but I also know you're going to be honest. Number one, and that's why I always yeah. love about you when we talk about it. But I also love that you. You're there for your guys. So 
if you're a quarterback who's listening to this, and I know some of you guys follow us, and you need some help, go get Sean, go get Quincy, um, and I'll, I'll hit it again before we b- bounce off this. But I did want to point that out. But but I saw several people talk about that. I didn't have a problem with it because um, a couple things I talked with you about before. But is it a problem that that his foot, while he was throwing a couple things, is was not level on the ground as he's getting that ball out? So it's definitely non-traditional, and it's definitely not the way it's like I'll say classically coached. So let's put it that way. So the 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 prevailing school of thought is in keeping the back back foot. You'll hear the term connected. So keeping mm-hmm. the back foot in the ground, and the idea there is it promotes stability through the finish of the throw, and it assists in what we call the deceleration phase of the throw. So I think we talked a little bit of this, and I don't want to go too deep in mechanics unless you guys really want to go there. But Actually, I would love we, you to because right. I love it. But <laughs> so we mechanics, talk, mechanics yeah, was one of my issues. Any well, one of my questions anyway. I was going to ask you. Yeah. Yes. Go go into it. So please cool. do go so go deep talk, into this. So when we talk about um, the finish, really is what we're referring to here of the throw. This all goes to how much power a quarterback can generate on his throws. So. This is all, anytime we're talking about kind of uh, lower body, we're talking about the feet or the hips, or we're talking about like stability, that's all power. So none of this really affects accuracy or ball flight or any of that. If we can kind of differentiate and think, okay, the arm is going to control accuracy and ball flight. The arm, especially like the arm in relation to the front shoulder Mm -hmm. and things like extension that we talked about before. So those pieces are what are going to control accuracy and ball flight. And and the easiest way to think about this, hey, think about all those times Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, their lower bodies are in really bad positions, but they're able to still throw accurately and put the ball in the money, right? So there's like right. the easiest way to understand how, okay, because if my upper body is good and that controls ball flight accuracy, then I can put the ball regardless of what position my lower body may be in. Does that make okay. sense? We can start yep. there. So right. the lower body, we're talking about power. And what the biggest, you know, factor to power is, is stability. So we're talking about being really stable before the throw as we start the throw and being really stable to finish the throw. And so I mentioned the word deceleration. So that's the end of the throw. That's the finish of the throw. How stable are we when we come to a sudden stop? So we talk about creating power. We talk about a sudden start and a sudden stop. It's an easy way to, to think about it. So the sudden start's about getting your front foot in the ground quickly. It's about the hips starting to, to, to fire, like the normal sequences, sequencing of the throw. Um, so basically, your foot's in the ground quick and your hips start to fire. And then the finish, the sudden stop, goes in reverse order. So if we talk about the sequencing of the throw being feet, hips, torso, arm, or sorry, shoulder, arm, then the deceleration kind of goes in reverse, if that makes sense, where you're kind of working back down the chain the other way. Um, So we go sudden start to sudden stop the way we think about it. The start is how much power we generate. And the stop is for lack of a better way to express it, how much power we don't lose, right? How much do we keep from what we generated? Let's put it that way. Okay, 
So the traditional school of thought is if I generate good power, we won't go too much into the start because I don't think anybody who watches Malik or any other quarterback has big concerns about the power they generate. Um, but what we're looking at now is the finish. So a quarterback who over rotates and what we mean is their hip goes past the point where it's square to the target or a quarterback that tilts, you know, you see them kind of fall off or fall forward or to some extent, a quarterback whose back foot comes off the ground and loses stability. Those are all issues that could lead to leaking power at the end of the throw. So the traditional way of teaching that is, hey, let's use the back foot as like an anchor to help promote the sudden stable stop. So the back foot connected helps a quarterback from over-rotating or tilting as he finishes the throw. What Malik does, and it's definitely unique, and it's something that Deshaun Watson does that we've seen, you know, guys we coax, there's a quarterback named Matthew Downing, who, uh, who was at Georgia and TCU, and now he's at La Tech, mm -hmm. um, finishes similarly. They, instead of keeping the back foot connected to help like anchor the sudden stop, Malik and those other quarterbacks I mentioned brace on their front foot. Um, okay. And by bracing on their front foot, they're still able to achieve the sudden stop they just don't require having the back foot on the ground to do it. So if you watch Malik throw, you'll see his back foot come off the ground. What you'll also see is his hip suddenly stop at the point where it's square to the target, right? He's not having the back foot coming off the ground and like walking through the finish, which is something you'll see with some young QBs. Mm -hmm. um, and so at that point, we want to embrace all of our quarterbacks kind of individual mechanics. That's a big piece here. I don't need every quarterback I train to look exactly the same way. What I need them to do is hit like the important, what we call non-negotiable pieces. So in a throw, say there's five non-negotiable pieces and a couple of them are his foot's got to get in the ground quick. His arm has to go fast. His elbow needs to elevate to the target. He needs to extend and he needs to have the sudden stop. He needs to decelerate how he decelerates, how he does that sudden stop. I'm less concerned with as long as it happens. So my argument for Malik is he achieves that sudden stop, but in a non-traditional kind of unique way to him. But the funniest thing, just to put a kind of lid on this whole conversation is what we're talking about, if that potentially was an issue, it would cause a power loss. And I mm -hmm. don't think there's any quarterback that we're talking about who were less concerned about how much power he had when he throws the football than Malik. And so that's kind of the funniest part when I get in this conversation is, okay, let's pretend you know what you're talking about more than me, and the back foot coming off the ground is a really big issue. Great. There's no, I mean, he's got the strongest arm by far, maybe any quarterback we've seen in recent years. Um, so that's, those are the two things that don't quite mesh together. So Sean, if I'm, if I'm understanding you correctly, just so our audience who's, who's trying to look at these things, when you're looking at what you just said about his back foot, we're talking, that's talking about power, not accuracy, right? Yeah, like, that's correct. Th 
his yeah, I mean, back, I guess there's a his back yeah. foot not being on the ground isn't affecting where his accuracy is, right? No, and the reason is because the ball is already out of his hand at that point. Does that make sense? Oh, so absolutely. You, to me, I'm just I'm yeah. trying to to yeah. kind of get that out to to sh- like you said, like and, and like Matt said, and I think it is so important that people kind of understand the mechanics. Like you, like you just I, I, you started it great with, and 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 I actually went the whole thing great with the above and the below. The below is more about the power, where the above is more about the accuracy. If in yeah. generalities, we talk about it. That makes just, yeah, yeah, not, go ahead, go ahead, Matt. Not that yeah, there's pieces I'll, of both, but. Yeah, I'll say I had so much to say to that too. Like, I mean, you look at, I think what what Twitter's biggest problem was with with some of these quarterbacks is accuracy concerns. It's not power. Um, yeah, the the yeah. power is coming from right. from the legs. So you're, we're not watching that as much as we're watching upper body, what your arm is doing. And you mentioned several times in that explanation the extending the arm. And ninety five percent of our viewers and our listeners aren't going to know what that means. So can you just break down what what do you mean when you say extending the arm? Yeah, so we're basically talking about – let me back away far enough. We maybe get a visual. I know we're on a podcast too, but if I'm talking about extending, <laughs> I'm basically – here's I'll tell you what. Here's how I explain it to like a fifth-grade quarterback, not Perfect. to disparage the two of No, no, no. Actually – Like I need to speak to you like that, but you get the point. Here's Sean, the I'm, a, I'm a lawyer, and my favorite line yeah. is, is from Philadelphia. Let me talk to you like – your third grader, that's, all right? That's right. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's all it is. So, so you're not you're not you're not knocking anybody. We're trying to learn, and and our and our trust us, trust me, our listeners are trying to learn uh, what you're. So talking if I about. have a young quarterback, a fifth or sixth grader, I'll ask them because they'll ask about extension. I'll say, hey, extension's so key because extension is what creates the tight spiral. Getting fully extended helps elongate the snap of the wrist to finish the throw which creates the tighter spin, the tighter spiral. It also controls trajectory. So when we were talking about the level one, level two, level three throws, basically the angle at which I extend to the target creates, you know, the angle that I launch the football at is the kind of the easiest way to think about. But when I explain to a young quarterback, I'll say, okay, do you know, are you a Marvel guy? Are you a comic book guy? You know, and if they are, I'll say, well, you know, the Fantastic Four, do you know Mr. Fantastic, right? So remember, he's the guy who can like, his arm can, like a bad guy can be running away. He can reach out and and grab the guy a hundred yards away, right? And if they have no idea what I'm talking about, then I can quickly go to, uh, to um, the Incredibles, right? Elastigirl, right? <laughs> there you, same go. Thing. you get the point, right? So regardless, one of those two, you understand what I'm talking about. But that visual, that mindset of, hey, imagine your receiver that's 20 yards away. Imagine when you throw the football, you're able to extend your arm like Mr. Fantastic or Elastic Girl and literally hand that receiver the football, if that makes sense. So that idea of getting fully extended through the throw before the ball comes out of your hand is what we mean when we talk about extension. So like I said, the two things that does is accept their trajectory and if I'm throwing under 30, 25 yards, whatever my ability to drive it on a low trajectory, I want to always be as aggressive as I can be with the extension. But like I said before, also by extending fully, it elongates the wrist snap and gives me a more violent, for lack of a better term, finish of the throw, which creates then tighter spin on the footballs that leaves my hand. Does that make sense? 
you know, which has direct correlation to the accuracy of in ball placement of, of your throws. Yeah, accuracy is a product of your elbow in relation to your front shoulder. So if, you know, you think about a normal quarterback who is what we call pre-pass position, right? So like if I'm right-handed, my left shoulder is facing the receiver I'm throwing to, if that makes sense. We can all kind of picture that, right? Um, at the top of the drop in pre-pass, imagine I'm throwing to a receiver who's standing directly in front of me, right? 20 yards away, directly in front of me. Or right now, my front shoulder is facing him and my right shoulder, my back shoulder is facing away from him. Well, as I start the throwing motion, my ability to not let my front shoulder open too early while my throwing arm accelerates gets my elbow to what we call like the lead position, right? The elbow is going to lead the throw. So if my front shoulder stays closed, my elbow accelerates, I'm able to now throw the ball straight. We call it like down the hallway, if you can imagine that, like hall 18-inch hallway from the quarterback to the receiver, basically the width shoulder to shoulder of a person. That's what controls accuracy. So the ability for my elbow to get to that lead position, the elbow to go faster than my front shoulder opens. I know it's getting a little technical. No, we now need we now need to be on YouTube so that everybody can watch Sean doing this, by the way. Yeah. Because I completely understand what he's saying. Yeah. And it is helping me more than I ever had. <laughs> I should have brought a, a pen and notepad. Here's the best part. The best part is that I have videos of all of this. And I've done the video explaining the back foot coming off the ground, how it's not a problem with video clips of Malik and Deshaun Watson doing it. So I'll send that to you. And then whatever you can, once you we're watch gonna, this podcast, you can tweet that video out. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to post all this, what we're talking about here too. So you'll have we're all gonna, the, so yeah. someone can go back after listening to this and see the visual. But the and as question, I've always Matt, said, just if you just follow Sean and Quincy and all these guys, you will really learn so much. I mean, Quincy has put out those videos with watching the defense and why somebody didn't screw up that people said they did. And Sean, I've seen you. I mean, I, I, both of you guys. I mean, I, I, I watch them and, and, and interact with you guys. So I recommend everyone who ever asked me immediately follow them, watch their videos, and interact with these guys because they're going to tell you. But yes, Sean, please send those, and we're going to put yep. them back out there to show them even more about what you're talking about with us right now. Because I'm watching you do this, and I'm like, yeah, well, I know what I'm watching when yeah. I'm on video, <laughs> and I can't explain it without physically because it is it's like it's a little dense to try to explain without the uh, visual aid of it but but matt the simplest way to think is the elbow and the shoulder control accuracy meaning if the elbow and shoulder are good it'll be hit you in the middle of the chest but without the extension it might be wobbly does that make sense so it might hit you right on target but not have great ball flight whereas my elbow and shoulder can be off but if i extend I'm going to have a perfect spiral, just who knows where it's going. So the combination of the elbow in relation to the shoulder and the extension is what is the accurate and great ball flight throw. And, and, and for those that are listening, I don't think you realize how gold this is. Like I'm sitting here, like my entire my entire scouting process on quarterbacks changed in that 15 minutes. Like everything that I'm watching now is completely different. And I, I'm, it, it – we're, we're going to make sure we tweet those videos out. because yes, yeah, I've, I've talked to Sean before this. 
podcast. <laughs> you're, you're not hearing it for the first time. Right? No, no, no. For, for, for everybody who's listening, sometimes when I when, when I talk about things and I say, "Hey, some random person ha- had a conversation," <laughs> you know. <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, talking with Sean over these last uh, six months or whatever it is, Sean has just been holy crap. Like uh, just looking at these things, you know, I, I thought I knew what I was looking at at some points, and, and it's funny talking to you because sometimes you're like, "Man, how did you figure that out?" And then sometimes you're like, "What are you looking at, idiot?" And so I just love it, like, and I love the feedback, and I love talking with you because it's just it's awesome. But the, it, there's a couple things. Um, there was a couple questions we got a couple times from your last yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, interview. It, we had you on the phone or on the pod phone. Uh, but I wanted to ask you a couple things that, that somebody had asked. Um, and then I wanted to get into a couple of guys, obviously, uh, sure. that we had talked about, but we, we did have a couple people who really wanted a, a couple of answers from you if possible. And I know you've gone through some techniques that are phenomenal already and have answered several of these, but there's a couple other ones that came up. Um, so one of the questions that somebody asked was when they were looking at a freshman quarterback uh, recruit, how important would it be looking at mobility when you're looking at college and the NFL game? And I know, and I will bring this back to Sean, you and I, I think we kind of taught hit on this um, on the last pod, but I think you and I hit on it like more after when we were done on, on your and I thought on, on mobility um, with today's college. And, and then when you're obviously projecting some guy to the NFL and obviously and and Sean, you know, for for our listeners, when they're looking at fantasy, add this in to your analysis when you're thinking about yep. it. the guy get who the guy the quarterback who's running. Okay, like Lamar, like Lamar. Let's let's put Lamar Jackson. Let's put Jalen Hurts. Right. Yeah. Okay. Jalen Hurts as a fantasy quarterback might be a heck of a lot better than Tom Brady, to be honest. Yeah. Because yeah, he's getting. Six points for a rushing touchdown, and he's also getting a point for every 10 yards that he's running, right? Yeah. So I want to, but I want to talk to you in, in, in two points. I do want to talk to you about, hey, how's that fantasy? But I'm also looking, and so are our, 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 our listeners in my mind, this overall QB stuff. Okay. Because yeah. I think, in my opinion, I think college overall has already changed. And I think the NFL is now starting to adopt some of the college level, and we're and and you see it with, you know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, when you look at who made where and what the quarterback was, and they were able to do, the guys who were in the playoffs could move right um, overall, and even and even Brady moves within the pocket. Right. And I think, and I think sometimes movement is and mobility are thought of wrongly. Like, Hey, mobility is Randall Cunningham, Michael Vick running around. That's not what we're saying. We're talking yeah. to me, at least I'm talking about mobility, the ability to get, if the play breaks down, can I extend it at all beyond yeah. a little bit there? And so I know that was kind of a lot when I was when I was yeah. kind of breaking. No, it down. I know where you're going. But the, but that's what the question was: is is 
where how much important is it to you as a QB coach that some kid or draft prospect, I mean, because you get both, I mean, you get everything yeah. from from like you just said, an eighth grader to the guy in in the NFL coming to hand in help. Yeah. What's mobility? What is mobility to you and how important is it now in college and in NFL? I mean, I think I think right. I think the first thing you look at is the way the game's changed. And I think clearly we all agree that there that is a more necessary trait now than maybe it was 10 years ago. Right. And and it has to do with a lot of different things, just the overall speed of the players at every position um, have made that uh a more required skill to have to be successful i think the way the offenses have changed and then therefore the defenses have changed and then the offenses have changed again over the last few years in both college and the nfl um in order for offensive coordinators now to be successful against some of the defensive looks that they're able to 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 uh to be run against them, they need that extra component. I think that's a piece of it too. And, and as simple as like, hey man, if I can if I can scheme in an extra man in the run game because my quarterback has the ability to run zone read, that's a advantage that 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 I have now to attack the defense, right? Or if they need to commit one of their linebackers to spy me, my quarterback, then that's one less guy they can drop into coverage potentially and and things of that nature, right? So it's, it, it certainly gives offenses and offensive play callers an advantage from that standpoint. Um, I, I, I think you look at, you know, and, and pick a number. Let's go with four. Say there's like four things that um, a quarterback needs to have to be successful, right? And I'm just making this up. But clearly one of them is you, you got to <laughs> You're not making throw. anything up. No, yeah. Ah, come on. This is, four, these are, these the are your thoughts four, on what makes somebody impressive. Don't because say you're making question, it up. Come the on. The question I was like, hey, what are those four things? And I don't know. Right. But, and, but, so you, four, hey, but here's what two of them are. You don't one have to say, Adam, you messed up and didn't ask me the question. Just say, Adam, these are the four. These are the things I'm looking at because I'm really good at what I do. All right. We all know you are. So just, Sean, just go ahead. I mean, I didn't. I didn't do it right as as the host. It's my fault. My bad. All right. We talked about this going in. That I just wanted to chop it up with you because I love these sessions. But with you and I, when we start having these conversations, and if people understood the conversations we have on the phone when I'm, I'm driving in my car, they have no idea. I'm admitting, though, this is a half-formed thought. This is this this story, this little thing I'm about to say, but I guess my point is is if there's if there's a certain amount of ways we grade quarterbacks, then we can agree that like athletic ability, the ability to run or or create plays off schedule, that's definitely one of the components we would look at. Now, being able to throw the ball from the pocket is always going to be the most important one. And the point I was making is if there's, say we got four or five of these traits, the less of one I have, the more I'd like to ha- be able to have of the other one. So that's kind of the way I look at it, where, you know, can a quarterback be successful without the ability to move at all? The answer is yes, right? And that would maybe help speak to Tom Brady's success this late in his career still, right. you know, or even, you know, Carson Strong had a really successful college career, right? There's guys that 
are able to do things. But to do that, you better really be able to throw the ball from the pocket. You almost got to be like a not-miss guy. And then you better have the intangibles, the leadership, the boom, boom, you know, whatever those other things are. Um, because, you know, it's like when you lose, you know, think about your five senses, right? If, you, if you're blind, then your other senses better really be at a high level for you to, you know, to be able to whatever maneuver around your day or, or get around. I don't know. This is off the rails at this point, Matt, this analogy I'm making, but, um, but that's the way I look at it. So do you have to have that athletic ability, mobility, able to play off schedule? The answer would be no, but man, you almost have to be off the charts and every other thing at this point in time with the way the game's played to be successful. And I think so, what people are finding is that's not realistic. So I just I want to circle back that, to that. You know, yeah. so, what, so what you're saying is if you're not a mobile quarterback, if you're a You're statue, basically blind. That's what and, I said, And you don't you – you <laughs> He said if you're not mobile, you're just blind. Man. So, so if you get if you get like zero or you know negative two, three, four rushing yards during a game, you you've got to be pretty darn impressive um, in, in the pocket because I've got I got some quarterbacks in this draft class that I'm thinking of, and so what you're saying yeah. is, <laughs> I, I think I think I mean There's I think you I'm almost have to be able to play at a high level. Now, don't get me wrong though. I, I guess what, you, but then if you if you do have a mobile quarterback, what you don't want is a feeling that. They don't have to throw like you never want to like trade one for the other, right? So if I have a guy who's just you know take Lamar Jackson, you know when he was coming out, like one of the knocks on him come out because he didn't throw the ball well right. enough. So that's a guy that you'd almost say like kind of trading off athletic ability, mobility, but couldn't throw at the level. And you could argue, hey, without his mobility, athletic ability, he couldn't play in the league. He wouldn't get drafted. Right. That though that that trade off is what you're trying to avoid. What what you'd like to have is a guy who does all the other things at the high levels that other top quarterbacks do. And then the mobility, the ability to play off schedule is almost like the icing on the cake. It's the extra that puts that guy that far over the top. Um, which is the way we kind of approach. Uh, I mean, I've been working with Malik since high school. That was one of the first conversations we had was, listen, if you want to play at the highest levels and, and earn the starting job and get on the field, it all starts with being able to throw consistently accurate. It all starts with being able to generate power and, and, and have a strong arm and be able to make throws all, you know, the quote unquote, he can make all the throws. You better have that. Because at the end of the day, you better be able to make a play on third and nine from the pocket, or you ne- you don't get to the point where people get to see how mo- mobile you are, right? Because you're never on the field. I think that's a piece of it. Um, which, by the way, is why we go back to the Senior Bowl. You know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they're not live. He's not running. With all the buzz, all the wow factor, everybody raving about how talented he looked was him throwing, right? right. And so. Then in the game Saturday, you got to see him run around and, you know, and, and look like the best athlete on the field. Um, and so I think you got to see both pieces of it. But that was the long way around. And, and a couple bad analogies sprinkled in to get to your to answer your question. Um, I do think you can do it without. I think if you have it, especially the way the game's played, it's a big asset, but not if you're trading one for the other. Right. And otherwise, you're just the guy who. You know, let, let's go like matting rankings. If I'm a 
50% throw guy and a 50% run guy, well, I'm the same as the guy who's 100% throw, zero run, right? right? What you want is the guy who's 90 throw and also brings this 75, 80 run. Does that make sense? So, like, you'd like that to be kind of the extra component. Yeah, you want to be able to run and throw. Yeah, and that's what you see in Josh Allen. And that's what you see in Pat Mahomes, that ability. You know, and I think that's what you see in Malik Willis, certainly relative to all the other quarterbacks that are in this draft class. I mean, I think, you know, there's really nobody else that has that. That's why, like I said, I know he can run a sub 4 four forty. We all know. We've all seen him pull the ball in zone read or scramble or do. We've all seen that. So we know that piece. What I get excited about is what wait, happens wait, wait, on Wednesday. He, 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 he runs a sub 440? Yeah, I, I mean, he, so the, the last time he was really timed uh, to run it was when he was uh, at Auburn. And uh-huh. his freshman year, because this is all posted on social media, like the Auburn beat reporters, you know, find the get the yeah. official times from Liberty and they post them secretly on the on the message board, that kind of thing. Yeah. His freshman year, he ran a four four zero, And his sophomore year, he ran a four three seven in spring ball leading up into that next year. So, Holy. you know, those – now, listen, I don't – were they laser time? Who know, Were they hand time? Yeah, so so obviously, staff? I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, laser – But like hand they time, were internal, Which would be at half a second, but still, if we're looking at a 4-4 four, four, and you add half a second, we're still talking about a quarterback that's running a 4-4-5. Four, four, and their internal number – like, there was no value in, you know, the strength and conditioning coach at Auburn to make the number up or, like – right? It's like – it's like you're just you're just getting the number so you can then see how they go from there, right? In the same right. way, I'm going to make every guy bench press on day one. <laughs> There's no value in pretending he lifted ten more pounds than he did. I'm just trying to get the number so I can work from you know. So anyway, that's the thing on the on the, the time. But my point was, what I get excited about is yeah. when everybody's buzzing about how well a guy like Malik is throwing the football, because if you're buzzing about that then we're not saying, well, he throws pretty good for a guy who runs really well. That's not what we're saying. We're saying he throws the best of the other six quarterbacks that we saw this week. Which, which Period. And then we all know that there's this other component as well. So that's the way I look at it. And this was perfect into the next question from the same person who said, if you get this mobile guy, i.e. Josh Allen, is yep. there a way to teach him to be more accurate? Because if we all remember Josh Allen's accuracy was questionable, he goes up to Buffalo, it's very high. Is it possible as a quarterback coach when you're looking at it? And and I know um, some other coaches who really liked when they saw high accuracy ratings in in college, and that was really what they looked at and said, hey, I can teach kind of some of these other things, but accuracy is not something – that I'm overly critical that I can teach much better and and, and two that I I, I kind of well respect in, in looking at quarterbacks. But for you, is is that something you can you can change on a guy who maybe is mobile but not as accurate that hey look we can change accuracy and this upper body that we talked about earlier. So we talked about lower body then we talk about upper body yeah. and the, it's really the upper body, right? That we're looking at yeah. can we change that that upper body function to get that accuracy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what I do. I guess so anybody, not not like a, not that like I'm so good at it. That that sounded cockier than I than I expected it to. I meant that's what people in my profession literally do. Wasn't we're cocky. Trying to make, <laughs> we're trying to make 
people throw better, right? That's kind right. of the, at the end of the day what our job is. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I every quarterback I've ever worked with can could learn to throw better, and even now, our, we're trying to help Malik throw better than he did last month, right? right? Or last year or two years ago. And that's what we're doing with Trey Lance and Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts and every NFL quarterback we work. Like there's never a point where we stop trying to help them throw better. So I'm expecting these guys to continue to improve and quote unquote, throw more accurately each year. I mean, that's kind of the, the process here. That's the, that's what the goal of what we're trying to do. Accuracy stems from doing things consistently. Does that make sense? So if we talk about the, the elbow in relation to the shoulder and all those things I talked about and the sudden start, sudden stop, and well, ideally we can do that once and that's our best throw. Like the best throw you've ever seen from any quarterback, clearly at least once they put all those things together in the right way. And if the more consistently we can throw the same way, well, then the more consistently, the more accurate we get, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what did Josh Allen do? And don't get me wrong, if I'm Jordan Palmer or Greg Pinelli or these guys that work with, with Josh Allen over the last couple of years, I'm taking a lot of credit for what he's yeah. doing now versus what he did two years ago. And I think they should. They put a lot of time in. But, but what they did, they didn't. They, they might not have changed his throwing motion. What they did was help him be more consistent in whatever he was doing before, if that makes sense. Um, Perfect. I, honestly, so, yeah, that's kind of the way we look at that. And I just I just want to say in college, my uh, my sophomore year, I did have a 50-yard downfield pass to one of my roommates um, on a vertical route. So I, I yeah. at least had all the mechanics right one time. But, Matt, but yeah, I was going to say, Matt, we can all do it once. We all have it once. <laughs> I've hit one good golf shot in my life. Like one time I hit the ball well. The problem is I could never do it again, right? So, um, and I think actually golf's a really good analogy to all this. Is good, Sean. We, we need to get on the golf course and bet yeah. up because I'm, I'm all, actually yeah, exactly. pretty good there. Well, I might just be sandbagging right now, Adam. Like, <laughs> pretending I'm not that good. And then we get yeah, you, yeah, you bet you are with me. <laughs> but we've all been at like top golf and hit that one drive that we cross. The, the issue isn't being able to do it once. It's, can we consistently do it the same way and achieve those same results? And that's really what we're talking about throwing as well. So, um, yeah, that's the that's kind of the key for the accuracy piece. Uh, and, and just, so, uh, you know, we've had you on already for an hour, Sean. So I'm, I'm, I don't want to take up your whole night. And uh, but I mean, I've learned so much already. But did want to hit up on a couple of guys. Probably won't get all through the ones. We talked about which means that we get to just bring you out another time if you're good about it. No doubt, um, and, I'll, and I'll try not to talk as much. So I'll give you a two minute. No, 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 no. I want your talks because it makes my <laughs> life easier, especially right now that I can't continue to talk too long without coughing. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're still in recovery mode. Yeah. Um, one guy we talked about uh, actually right before I got off COVID, and I know he's a guy uh, mm. that you have worked with for a while um and i am a huge fan of and and i think matt is after watching the film when he and i talked about um and he backs up uh devin leary at at north carolina state that's aaron mclaughlin yeah um six five listed as six five two twenty three you may know if he's bigger than that at this point um 
Now his 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 forty time was listed at four nine two, but in talking with you, I don't I don't think that he he's running a four nine two forty, um, and nor does his film look like that. If I'm if I'm wrong, um, you let me know. He's he, you know he's he'll he'll draw comparisons when it's his time to Josh Allen because of how mm. athletic he is for a big guy. Does that make sense? So yep. Uh, I mean, he was a guy that in high school they they certainly used in the run game and could you know if you weren't you weren't thinking he could do that. So he's a, he's a perfect example of like a mobility guy, that little extra that you wouldn't expect. You certainly wouldn't call him a dual threat QB by any means. But um, yeah, I mean, he was a kid at Elite 11 who uh, who was off the charts when they do like the uh, whether the Nike Spark ratings or like, yeah. you know, those, those things that come out. He's off the charts because like the – times he's able to put up in the 40 the shuttle and those things the the vertical jump for a guy that big because it's like all of those all those numbers factored together i mean yep. he was always just I, I mean i think he's and this might be wrong but i think i remember when he came out in 2021 at that elite 11 region i think it you know there was like a top 10 all-time nike spark number type of thing so mm-hmm. overall athleticism um Super impressive for him. Yeah, I mean, for for me, when I was watching him, his arm jumped off. Like, yeah, he just like can't, it seemed like a cannon. I mean, just, I mean, like just arm strength um, at the at those levels that we we've kind of talked about. Threw well on the run, um, make some big time throws, and I I know you, you know uh, the knock on him though was productivity, and I think. Yeah, um, you and I talked off off air on, on the phone about it because I was kind of just checking in with you. What was that kind of in in your mind? Where, where, where did that kind of come in? Where where the knock on him was was productivity? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he was in the state of Georgia, class of twenty one. So there are three guys in the state: with Aaron McLaughlin, Carlos Del Rio, and Brock Vandergrift. And so you're comparing those three, similar to what we we're just talking about with the draft QBs. You're trying to compare those three, and you're trying to figure out who's better based on the, the, whatever you can look at, right? And the reality was, you know, Aaron was playing at 7-8 football, the highest classification in Georgia, at a program that was only two years, really Aaron, I think, was the first, second year or so of that program. So just not, you know, a great team versus the um, competition they were playing. Um, and so, you know, didn't produce at the level that, say Brock Vandergrift did, right? Brock Vandergrift's playing single A football, the lowest classification in Georgia, um, you know, and had some weapons around them and and was able to, you know, his, I always laugh, like his dad's the head coach, which by the way, and Greg Vandergrift's a really good guy, met a few times. But man, imagine like if my dad was my coach, like we'd be throwing every play, like we'd be, so, you know, so like if you want to look at the numbers, you see yards and touchdowns. Um, and I think a lot of people, uh, you know, came to the conclusion that while well, that this guy produced at a lot higher level, um, you know, he must be better type of thing. Um, you know, and that's why, like, so once again, so now similar to the senior ball, I couldn't wait for the Elite 11 regional, right? Because we're in Atlanta, let's get Aaron McLaughlin, Carlos Del Rio. Let's get them all together. Let's Somebody didn't show together. up, though. That's Somebody right. didn't show up, Sean. There. That one guy wasn't there, but obviously Aaron had a, a great day. Carlos was super well that day, too. <laughs> I think those guys were one, two. I know people argue Carlos maybe even threw better than Aaron that day. 
um, but Aaron ended up winning the Atlanta Regional and that kind of thing. So, listen, the next story we'll, we'll project out. We'll see what Brock does if and when he gets on the field in Georgia. We'll see what Aaron does when he gets on the field uh, at NC State, which, by the way, is going to be at least another year away. I mean, Devin Leary had a heck of a season. Yeah. Uh, should have another really big year this year. So it's probably going to be one of those things where Aaron's got to be patient until Devin takes off for the for the NFL, and then and that'll be Aaron's time. And in the meantime, he'll continue to work and develop. You know, I know I sound like the guy who, like, do you talk with, all do you my talk guys, with... no, all no, my no, guys but... are great. But, no, like, but the you... reality is I coach hundreds of quarterbacks. Yeah. The no, only and, thing I and... want more than promoting my guy is to sound right. And so, like, of the hundred guys I coach, I talk a lot about Malik. I talk a lot about Aaron. Uh, and and truthfully, those two guys stand out. Aaron's super talented, maybe as talented of a pure passer um, as any as anybody I've worked with. I, I feel fairly confident saying that. Um, you know, especially early, right? Where right. like a guy like Malik had development to do from high school on. You know, I started working with Aaron when he was still in eighth grade, and that guy was could really throw it even early on so so Aaron was a guy that when when you saw him you it's kind of like this kid can ball like yeah and and, and, yeah. and not just me I mean he Texas well, A&M I, I offered that, him yeah. when he was like in seventh grade right I mean, so, <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it was like when like, Chris Lee got offered by Wake Forest when he exactly. was in sixth grade he was, right he was the, we all knew Chris that, could throw that, that ball wave yeah, yeah he was that first wave of like okay well you know he's in eighth grade and he's already you know, six two, whatever he was at that point. So then you can just kind of tell this guy's got a chance. Um, so it wasn't like I, you know, was really unique in being able to scope out the talent early. Everybody knew it. Um, but he works hard. Um, yeah, he's gonna be I'm excited. You know, people I think I, that's, have to, go ahead. I was just saying I think that's the important part that I think that like people don't understand what you just said. Aaron works hard, right? Yeah. Like I don't know that people understand that part. And and you've got to work hard as a quarterback. I mean, and when you see this, you've got to understand defenses. You've got to work. You've got to be in the, there. You've got to do this. You can't just take time off, right, as a quarterback that's running the team and one who wants to succeed, you've got to be that guy, right? And I've, it, I've just never seen it work the other way. So I've right? ne- I, I can't think of one example – of a guy who didn't work that hard and was really successful at the high school level, at the college level, or having a shot to play in the NFL. I've just never seen it. Now we all know the guys that seem like they had a ton of talent and were five stars and it never panned out for them. Now I'm not saying it's because they didn't work hard enough, but I'm saying we know the ones that that, that happened. I've literally never seen the guy who was so talented that they could overcome not working hard. Um, so anybody that we're talking about as being a top 20 college quarterback or a guy that we're going to be talking about being drafted to the NFL, uh, you can pretty much assume those guys have kind of a 1% work ethic. Right. Well, so now that we talked about golfing, which – and. We were talking about the uh, the elite eleven. I I still yeah. laugh about that to be honest. Uh, that one show one one didn't show up and the other two did. And the other two looked pretty good when they got to the elite eleven. By the way, 
Um, I mean, it would be like, grades. yeah. I mean, it would be honestly. It, it, where did know, where, like, where did it be like going to the Senior Bowl and and like Kenny Pickett not coming, right? Like that that would have been because like I said, I was like waiting for that moment for those guys to be next to each other, and it just didn't happen. Which was but Brock went to the Elite Eleven, so he had to go somewhere. Did he goes out. Did so they so they changed the process. So that was the COVID oh. year. So what happened was they did the Atlanta Regional was the first one. The next week they went to LA, and then COVID happened. So there were two regionals where they had invited like four people and then they basically just picked 16 more guys. So mm. it was like the only year ever where you didn't have to perform in a regional. No, I'm sure like, no, he didn't know COVID was going to happen. I'm sure his plan was, okay, maybe I'll go to Nashville or I'll pick. But it was, yeah, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't going to go to yeah. Atlanta and go against McLaughlin and Carlos. Or, or like a center, maybe he had, you know, baseball that weekend or something like that so <laughs> sean i don't want i don't want to put you on odd seat <laughs> i will good. as a floor as a florida fan who uh who sits there and sees that stetson bennett um is coming back um and brock is not going to be there that uh i'm okay understanding how this all works <laughs> no i mean like i said we'll see we'll see how it plays out um you know that's the next thing. That's the best. And it's the same thing like we we're talking with the, with all these guys in the draft. Like, regardless of how we think who, who should be drafting first, mm-hmm. eventually we're going to find out. We found out. Yeah. You know, look back at the at the Baker Mayfield draft. Look back at the. You know, you don't have to go back more than three or four years, and we can now pretty confidently decide was that draft position right or did they mess that up? Right. I think anybody, you know, that that didn't take Mahomes higher. At this point, I think we can officially say maybe that we got that one wrong. So, you know, God, I said, we'll know I, said I had, I said that Jacksonville should have taken him before I that. Don't be wrong, I wasn't saying that. So, I, I'm not pretending revisionist. I want, you know, who I wanted that year? Obviously, I knew Deshaun. So, we were high on Deshaun. Yeah. But I loved, um, God, who was the kid out of uh, Notre Dame that year? Um, um, it will come to me in a second. Um, because I and only because you know, obviously I'm a Bears fan, so I'm rooting for the Bears, and, <laughs> and I'm, I'm a Packers fan. So we we had think. we had this love hate relationship, by the way. So, so I'm, you know, so we're always trying to draft a quarterback. It seems. <laughs> and, yeah, you uh, are. And and I was thinking, uh, you know, I don't know that that I that I knew how high I would have picked Deshaun. I didn't think Pat Mahomes was who Pat Mahomes turned out to be. Um, geez, I can't. Anyway, anybody listening to this will will be yelling at their at their. Yeah, they're like or, you, you. Yeah, they're gonna yeah. say, "Hey, I'm, idiot!" We, we all know what happened. A blank. Here. Yeah, completely yeah. a blank on who the quarterback that year at Notre Dame was. Um, but uh, but yeah, pretty solid. But obviously, never never really making an NFL career out of it. Um, I think he was with I think he was with Green Bay, wasn't he? After I think he was with Green Bay for a year or two. Hey, uh, I, when it comes up like 20 minutes from now, I'll shoot you a text and tell you who I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> this is happened. making great podcast material. Hey, no, no, I love guy, it. No, this, this that is, guy who uh, we can't name. No, 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 but this is this is what what Matt and I do. It, it, this actually is what you and I do on the phone all the time, which is Crazy. what my favorite thing to to, to do is and, and go through there. Is yeah, it is what it is, you know, and just and uh, 
I think people uh, love the just uh, the the nature of the live stuff and 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 what we're doing. So no, I, I and 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 I know and I'm I'm drawing a blank just like you are on the same yeah. guy because I know oh, the only Notre Dame quarterback I can think of is Ian Book, and I know for a fact he wasn't Kaiser. Kaiser, Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, Deshaun Kaiser. Thank you, Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, that's Adam. it. So I remember the Bears. I can't remember where the Bears drafted. They were they're relatively high. And I remember thinking, well, I don't know if you take Deshaun that high. I don't know what I think of Mahomes. I thought like, hey, like why don't you trade back, or like, hey, take a whatever, take a safety, something you need anyway. And then I would have just as soon got Kaiser later on. I wasn't saying I should you take Kaiser early. Um, but that year coming out, I liked Kaiser. And, I'll, tell, you know, I'll tell you what, I for, I for sure missed on Patrick Mahomes. I was one of those guys that yeah, I think, I think did not hit on him. And, Sorry about right. that. I hit the wrong button. Yeah, Adam, was so excited. Adam was so excited. He jumped I was so the- excited to finally remember Deshaun Kaiser, who I <laughs> actually had taken because, yeah, yeah I, I wanted him. Uh, <clears throat> Sean, I don't, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but there is one kid I do want to talk about just because um, – I uh I like him a lot. Um and you and I talked about him and and for me I got him as as the number one you guys train him and I got him as the number one quarterback in his class. But you know, even though you, you guys train him, you told me ah, you know, there's some flaws there. Um and, and, and that's uh Kamara McClellan. Um you know, he's in the twenty twenty four class. Um yeah, and in Alabama, he's for for our guys who don't know and haven't focused in yet on that that high. I'm a degenerate, and I'm already there. Um, 6'1", 180 pounds. Got offers from Auburn, Florida State, Georgia Tech, South Carolina, Oklahoma, um, all over where played freshman ball as a ninth grader. Um, my number one quarterback uh, in 2024. I like him a lot. Um, I think his frame has enough to add that weight that we need because he's already a little bit over six. He's, you know, he's over six one, but over one, but one eighty. We want him to to add some more to that. Um, but looking at his tape, he is still at that point. I watched him and he took punishment in 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 his videos, even his highlights. He took some hits. Um, got back up. Um, good strength. What I saw at those three levels that you talked about, Sean, before. We got level one, level two, level three. Um, there's some guys that we'll talk about bringing back on because that I wanted to talk about already that I thought getting to level three didn't have that. They had too much air under the ball uh, sure. we talked about. Um, but also his his throws just seem effortless. I mean, when I'm watching it, just like it spins it, just seems effortless. As far as mobility, just fast as hell, in my opinion, running off tape. Uh, I mean, just runs. Um, good sophomore season camps well apparently um but obviously we want, we want to see live bullets yeah. all of us right um but i just I, I love the kid i think um so far everything i've seen he's out there he's uh pushing it seems to be doing the right things as far as um you know really getting out there and 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 and, and pushing hard like we just talked about a minute ago um focusing and and really driving and 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 getting out there and and working hard right and that's what you want out of a kid seems like he gets out um but you know uh we talked and uh you know there's another guy jane davis everybody's 
thinks is number one. Um, got you know some more physical skills. So, what is great about Kamari? What's good about him? What's what's some knocks on him that he needs to work on? Um, what's your thoughts overall? Yeah, it's so very talented. I don't I don't know that that I thought there was like a flaws in Kamari's game. I just think we haven't seen as much. You know, it hasn't been uh, a full time varsity starter yet, and so I think that's where you just there's some question marks because you just haven't seen it happen on film. Now, shorts in a t-shirt, throwing accessions with us, working through all the drills that we're asking him to do in tough situations we're putting him in. I mean, he certainly checks all those boxes. You said Adam, really strong arm. Um, you know, definitely a guy like the ball kind of jumps out of his hand, looks good doing everything. You know, traditionally looks good, like his back foot stays connected, right? So, um, you know, people will be happy to see that on Twitter. Um, you know, so there's pieces <laughs> there that, that, you know, he does a lot of things uh, really well. Um, you know, 24 is a really good class. It's like the 2021 class. We were talking about Aaron and Carlos and Brock just from this state. 2024 is maybe better than the 2021 class. You know, I mean, so we talk about Kamari. Jaden Davis, to me, is still a different level above. Kamari or really even anybody else I've seen in the 2024 class. Um, if you don't know Jaden Davis's story, he won. And you don't even work with Jaden. You don't even work with Jaden. No, Jade, I mean, we right? did once upon a time. He works up there with uh, with Anthony Boone, well, quarterback country up in Charlotte That's area, fair, QB country, does a really good job uh, with him. So, you know, Jaden will come down. We'll, like, we'll see him at camps and stuff. We'll see him in the League 11. But, yeah, no, he's not like my guy or anything like right. that. I just – Really appreciate the talent, but you know when he was when he was still a twenty twenty three QB, he had offers to Alabama and Georgia, and then he reclassed to twenty twenty four. Right, this is when he was still in eighth grade, so nice. he was maybe the top QB, probably up there with Arch Manning or whoever in the twenty three class, and then reclassed to twenty four. So to me, he's you know he's different, and and we've mm-hmm. seen him do it at a high level in games, you know, at, at the varsity level here for, for, for multiple seasons now. So right. he's different, but in Georgia, you got Kamar, you got a kid like uh, Prentice Nolan. He goes by air, air Nolan, who took his team to a state championship at six, eight Georgia this year. Um, and there's, you know, five or six other guys just in Georgia who, you know, already got starting varsity time as freshmen in that 2024 class. And then, you know, I look out in California, there's four or five guys out there who just the Malachi Nelson and some, they just look like studs in that 2024 class, just from what I've seen, like on social media. So that's a tough class. Honestly, if, if you're just a name that's being mentioned, you might be as good as, you know, anybody who's we're going to see coming out this year or next year, quite honestly. That's how who else, that class is. Real quick. Who else in Georgia? Yeah. Who else in Georgia? You just said, you said a couple of guys. Yeah, I'm curious. So, who else in Georgia could just, you know, I mean, it be, me being just down the road, uh, lo- love to watch football. <laughs> Maybe I'll make myself you put up. You're going to put me on the spot, and, then, and now I'm going to forget somebody. So, okay, so <laughs> definitely Kamari and, and Air, uh, I think, are the two, to me, that, that stand well, – and not Kamari, not being a Georgia guy, but guys that right. we see all the time in Georgia. Um uh, let me think. Let me think. There's a kid off at Gainesville High School named Baxter Wright, who's super talented, who started as a freshman with a full time starter last year. So that's that's where Deshaun Watson went to high school, right? Gainesville, Georgia High School. Sure. He's a seven eight quarterback up that way. Um, 
there's a kid named um, uh, KJ Smith who's going to be a starter at Roswell High School where Malik had gone to high school. So that's another 7A program here in Georgia. A little undersized, but he's going to be the starter next year um, and, and kind of take over that role. Um, you know, there's a, I mean, there, God, there's a, there's a kid um, named Jonathan. There's a name you all know, Jonathan uh, Googe at a Daresville High School. Like you definitely won't know his name, mm-hmm. um, but start. It was a full time starter last year, and he's like six four, two twenty, and can just throw the heck out of the ball. Um, so it's just a lot of talent, um, you know. And and, I, and the guys that come to my mind quickly are guys that I see a lot, and guys we train yeah. and work with. So I know those names, um, and I know I'm leaving out. Um, other really talented 2024 kids that, that they just train with other people. And I'm not doing it on purpose. I literally just can't, can't, their names aren't coming to me as we go. But uh, no one should hold but, you against it, Sean. We, we, we asked yeah, it on but the that's slide. definitely a class. That's definitely a classic, <laughs> super talented. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, like some of this is kind of easy. If, if, if they're getting offers from big time power five schools already. You know, then it's not because George is being tricked by their huddle film, right? I mean, they they know enough, especially for the in-state guys, to know who who kind of deserves the hype, if you will, at this point. So, well, I'll tell you what, Sean, we've talked about a lot of good info tonight, and we're not trying to keep you any longer than we have to. So, there's a there's a bunch of other stuff that I know we I want to talk about. And I know Adam wants to talk about too. So, we're gonna have to get you on for a part three, um, for sure. I blame um, you guys. We went too deep in the mechanic stuff. That was your if, fault. If, that, that was that, helpful. If you're okay with, if you're okay with it, Sean, if you're okay coming to on talk to us, who slaps, you know, uh, you know, we're good about it. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> so, um, well, that that does it for tonight's show. You guys can find me on Twitter at Debbie Matt. Uh, all my Patreon info is up on patreon.com forward slash Debbie Database. Make sure you guys get into that free um, Patreon discord that i've got going on adam why don't you go ahead and tell the people where they can find you on twitter uh what you're working on yeah absolutely so you can uh if you want to follow me um uh, you can find you can follow me on twitter at adm lewis uh um and i'm on there on twitter that's where i put out most of my stuff also just uh for everybody who's listening um the campus visit pod uh Number one, we'll be uh, we got a couple of uh, things coming up. Uh, but one of the things we got coming up that we're sponsoring um, the end of February this month. Uh, in addition to my law firm, uh, the podcast also uh, will be supporting uh, and, and hosting a uh, a barbecue with all the offensive linemen for the University of Florida. And the caterer will be none other than Shannon Snell, who was a former offensive lineman and Gator Great, who played in the NFL. Um, and, uh, and and we're gonna have a good time uh, that day and get all those 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 big guys uh, fed and, and and have some fun. So we're gonna be doing that, and that's through the Gator Collective. If uh, you listen to the show and you're a Gator fan and you want to help out Gator athletes and the NIL. The best way you can do it is jump on the Gator Collective, and uh, six bucks a month is easy enough, um, and you jump on there. But you know the Campus Visit Pod will be supporting them. We got that going on, and uh, I will tell you, uh, Matt and I got another surprise for you. We're hoping it's next week. If it's not next week, it'll be the week after. 
Um, another big name coming on. Um, I don't know if he's bigger than Sean, but he, you know, it's another big name um, that I was able to, to uh, we were able to get through with the Gator Collective, and it's going to be a Gator um, to come on uh, to talk about his season and uh, what we expect from him. Um, and you Devi guys and uh, C2C guys are going to be really excited once uh, once we get that hooked up. So um, that's where you follow me, and uh, I, we're really excited for that is for that episode. I'll tell you what. Yeah, we're super excited for that episode, and man, we are. We are super excited for this one, Sean. It was great to have you on um, for the second time. It's always it's always great to have somebody way, way more knowledgeable than us um, to talk quarterbacks, talk the position we're trying to figure out. So we're super appreciative of you jumping on with us. Um, tell the people um, where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah. If you guys want more of this information, definitely do, do, do go uh, follow him on Twitter. Sean, where, they can, where can they find you? Yeah, uh, it's, it's QB Coach McAvoy on Twitter, Instagram, kind of all that stuff, YouTube, TikTok, if you want to get over to TikTok. But, uh, and then, and then uh, QB Takeover um, is where Quincy and I, Quincy Avery and myself, that's kind of the, the brand. And so all that stuff, uh, all our behind the scenes stuff on draft prep. And, you know, we're working with not just Malik Willis, but Anthony Brown from Oregon and De'Eric King uh, at Miami. Um, all that kind of behind the scenes and content. You'll see all that at the QB Takeover uh, Instagram and Twitter and stuff as well. So if you're interested in any of that stuff or like the drill technique stuff, uh, that's all on social media. And jump, I would just say jump on that. I, I was, I did. Um, and also, as I said before, interact with these guys. Sean will talk back to you. Uh, I have time. I have time. Sometimes you have time. Me. Last you week wasn't me. great. <laughs> well, so okay, that's so that's fair. So what what I should have said was sometimes I have time, and when I do, I'm happy to like you know get through the DMs and, and respond back to stuff that that's intriguing. Because clearly, as I just went on for an hour and a half um, deep into the quarterback stuff, I love talking this stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I'll say that about. Not just me, but but other guys that do this, you know, take the shot, throw a question out there. More than likely, um, you know, guys will love to talk about it. So, and if, we, want to see, and if they want to see you dance, I can follow you on TikTok, right? <laughs> yeah, there'll be no. That, I should have prefaced that. My TikTok what it will be is just cut ups of the quarterbacks we train <laughs> to music, right? So there's still just clips of guys throwing. No, uh, they want you dancing, Sean. You won't, yeah. If, if you're, you're not going to get dancing, you're not going to have me telling jokes. Or can we get doing... Can we get Q dancing, please? Uh, I want. I'll tell you what. You'll get Q dancing before you get me dancing. So that <laughs> follow, uh, follow that, the wrong that TikTok if that's what you're looking for. That's right. That's well, right. You guys, you guys, um, as always, can follow the pod at Campus Visit Pod on Twitter. Make sure you guys follow that. Uh, we are brought to you by the Devi Devi Marketplace. Devi Marketplace with Kane Vassell, Shane Hallam. Um, they normally record a few times per week. Um, follow their Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Devi Marketplace for more content there. Um, also, make sure you rate and review the pod. We would love um, to see those ratings and reviews this week. That's how we get this pod noticed. That's how everybody gets this awesome info that, that Sean brought us tonight. So make sure you guys rate and review that pod. Um, other than that, Sean, it was great having you on. It was great um, talking quarterbacks with you. Adam, it was great being back on the pod finally with you. Um, recovering from COVID. Um, we're looking forward to the next episode of the Campus Visit podcast. But until then, we will see you guys next time.